For many of us, the knock at the door was never answered. For others, the question still permeates our souls. Will God walk through that door? Brothers and sisters here today to help you answer some of those very complex and troubling questions is Dr. Rima Adijola, a truly internationally acclaimed evangelist intercessor, multiple disciplined, with a profound ministry in health, healing, and deliverance. I present to you Dr. Rima. Father, we praise you this morning. We're truly thankful to you for all the things that you have done for us, secretly and sometimes manifesting openly. You're still God and Lord of all. I ask your heavenly touch this morning of my tongue as the pen of a ready writer. Now, this episode, I entitled it, I Know Thy Works, because it never ceases to amaze me the way Yeshua, Jesus, as some say, Spanish we say Jesus, Jesucristo, our Redeemer, our Messiah, Lord of all. How he's portrayed in the churches today. Sometimes, oh, holiday time to make money as a baby in a manger, Christmas. And we deck the halls and we go through the motions. The good, the bad, even the rotten part in that. Hanging crucified, we portray him helplessly on a cross, preaching his hanging there helplessly. Well, today I want us to ponder the thought that he descended from his glory to be the one and only sacrifice for mankind that's acceptable to God the Father. His ascending back to heaven, mission accomplished, his promise to return for his people are repeatedly discussed around the world, but Something that is scarcely discussed is the Christian walk with the Lord. In the Old Testament, Isaiah 59, 19 to be exact, we're told that when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. That's the enemy. We know the name of the enemy because we're told in the word of God that his name is Satan. And when he descended here to persecute us, 
execute, if you will. <laughs> we expect the church to keep this ever before the people. Yet we find that many are walking, talking, worshiping him, and even erecting synagogues, churches, and calling themselves Satanists. We're told in James 4, 4, in the word of God, that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Now, in the last episode that I did, a brief summary of those seven candlesticks discussed in chapter 2 and 3 of Revelation, the church referred to seven times. And oftentimes, I like to think of those churches, those seven candlesticks, as time periods that are described. And as that description takes place, each of the churches discussed was describing what God would consider a warning to all of us. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. Today, I want to do a sort of summary of what I did before in terms of the churches. Today, I want us to look briefly, but in a slightly different way, the church of Ephesus, Revelation 2, verse 1. The good thing about Ephesus is discussed first. Good works, patience, dislike of evildoers, try the liars, apostles, they were laboring faithfully, and those things are good. Yeshua says there, but there are some bad things that had begun already in those periods way back when. He said, You've left your first love and you need repentance. And if you, he's always giving us a promise, will overcome all of these things that I'm telling you, you would eat of life in the midst of paradise of God, our creator. By the time we got to the second church, Smyrna, Smyrna, the works. There's tribulation. There's poverty. There's a blasphemy of those who say they are Jews. The Bible says that they are not. They are the synagogue of Satan and will cast people even into prison. I like to compare those things even with slavery for myself as a descendant and part of the diaspora that still wonders why and how 
enslavement took place, colonization, and all the wicked things that have influenced the life of people that are of African descent globally. Now, Yeshua was giving counsel anyhow. He said, even though those things are happening, fear not. Be faithful unto death. My promise to you, I will give you a crown of life so that not even the second death will hurt you. You will be tried and there will be tribulation, as he said. Now, when we get to church number three, Pergamos, the good things, again, he's always telling you what's good, positive as ever. I know where you dwell and even know where Satan sits. You uphold my name and you have not denied my faith. I want you to hold fast to the doctrine. But I don't want you to go in any way with the doctrine of Balaam with a stumbling block teaching people the wrong ways of eating and including fornication too. He says to that church of Smyrna, repent as he did to the first. He says, I will come quickly to you and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. To him that overcomes all these things that I'm telling you, I will give hidden manna. That's heavenly food. A white stone. A name only that you will know. God is awesome in sending his only begotten son. We go to the fourth period known as the church of Thyatira. And the good things, he said, hold fast to them. You have charity. You have service. You have patience. To what you have. And receive power over nations and rulership. Keep my works. Overcome. Jezebel. Adulterers. All of those people in the tribulation. Her children killed according to their works. If you fall into that category with Jezebel and following the wrong people, the bad side, by the time we got to that fourth period in history, if you have false prophecies like that, seducing spirits like that, teaching people to commit fornication, to even eat things that were sacrificed to idols, I will deal with you, says the living God. Now, the fifth church, Sardis, the good thing about Sardis, he's saying, you will be an overcomer because some of your people have not defiled themselves. So they're the ones that are going to wear that white garment and be known as worthy confessed before the Father and the angels of God. 
Repent of the things that you are not doing, such as being watchful. Much could die if your works don't improve. And I really, in truth, as far as the Father is speaking through His Son, Yeshua, Jesus, I don't really want to blot your names from that book of life. So Sardis is still basically okay. Then we get to church number six, Philadelphia. That church has a little strength. They still keep the word of God. They did not deny the Messiah. And he says, hold fast. Keep up that work. Your patience. I will keep you from temptation. When the hour comes for it, which will come upon the world to try the world. All of us who dwell in it. However, even though Philadelphia is supposedly the church of brotherhood, the bad side of things is that Yeshua is telling us, I will make those people of the synagogue again of Satan, which say they're Jews and are not, but they do lie. If you obey what I'm saying to you and hold on to that which is good, especially your patience, I will write your name of God and the name of the city of God on your people. Laodicea is my main concern today because I see the Laodicean time as now. We can see a Decadence going on ever since there was a discovery of this so-called new world where people seem to have gone crazy. And as far as God is concerned, they're neither cold nor hot. And Yeshua is saying here, Christ Jesus is saying, Basically, who likes food that's lukewarm? There's something about your food being hot. There's something about food that we like cold. But lukewarm tends to have a, a sort of not so popular liking. So Yeshua said, if you are lukewarm as a church, I will spit you. I will spew you out of my mouth. Why would he say such a thing? He said, you are saying, I am rich. We have many of those people today. I have taught students who have gone into the world and gotten wealthy, rich, and have become arrogant as well. Increased with goods. No one can dispute that that's the type of world that we're living in today. They don't think they need anything with a car, a house, and plenty of money in the pocket, be it for drug selling or trafficking or all the brutally 
horrible things that we hear today. But Yeshua is saying, even though in your mind you think you are something, I'm telling you that you do not know that in my eyes, in my Father's eyes, you are wretched. You are miserable. You are poor. You're blind and you're naked. And the thing is, the wealthy don't see themselves that way. But in front of them are people who are living wretched, miserable, poor, blinded, naked. Literally, physically, they're living that life. Yeshua counsels. <laughs> Because there's mass confusion in this world. We have multiple religions, multiple cultures, multiple isms. Everybody is adding an ism, just like to the word baptism, added to the word Baptist. Adventism, liberalism. We get caught up with these things. And because everybody is of a different persuasion, yet commonly greedy for money, the counsel of Messiah for this period is to buy of me gold tried in the fire that you may be rich. He was not speaking about the mineral which many of us would kill for today. We had the gold rush. They stampeded off to the West Coast. Today, we have gold in the hills in the Congo and everybody's rushing out to the hill to dig up the gold and to be rich, live blessed with the metal gold. In this instance, Messiah is that gold, tried and true, even today, to work that same gold that is being taken from different mines from the earth. All of it belongs to God anyhow, but man thinks he owns something, and all he owns is his name. Will they stand when the time comes for God to bring that name before the world? Tried as gold in the fire, every mineral will not mesh with gold. So it has to be refined before it can really stand. To test of time. You may feel that you are rich, but God says you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. And he says, you need me, buy of me. I'll give you white raiment to be clad, to hide your shame and your nakedness. I have the eyes soft to anoint your eyes 
that you may see what is real from that which is a lie. Repent, he says, because love chastens and you will sit with the Father at his throne if you obey my word. But when we think of the churches today, people are going decked out in finery. I've even seen some videos whereby even the pastor dressed as a beggar at the church entrance. And everybody passed and turned up their noses at that filthy looking beggar, not realizing it was their pastor until the time came within their service for him to reveal himself by voice and song. That could be you. It could be anyone. No one knows when the Lord returns. No one Christ himself told us but the Father. So, the thing of these seven church periods that I looked at, one of them I mentioned before, twice it was mentioned, those who say they are Jews and are not, they are the synagogue of Satan and will do much of the horrible things that we even see today. Then it's repeated again that God will deal with such things. Now, realistically speaking, in this end time in which we live, why would any church have leadership that neglect discussing with those who come before them. The enemy that God named descended, as Revelation says, as a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. So it means that that wicked spirit, the dragon, Satan, name him whatsoever. He's a rascal. But he's real. He was right there in glee at the foot of the cross, jeering Messiah. If you are to come down, save yourself, even one of the thieves got that way with him. But Messiah knew what his mission was. Do you it is not to be a wimpy Christian who dresses up to model outer garment or outer carnal looks, the best of the fashion, the flowing hair coming from Indians and Chinese and Anglo-Saxons and everybody else. People trying to be someone else. Somebody spent a host 
of decades convincing others that they are inferior to them and finally have gotten their attention to really walk in belief of their unworthiness. God's children are not children of a lesser God. He's the one creator God. Even Yeshua, when he says, and lo, I come and my reward is with me. I am going to execute as I see fit. There will be weeping. There will be gnashing of teeth, begging, even cursing Messiah. Because that's not the time to discuss anything with him. Judgment would have been set. And the books would have been open. How shall you stand in that great day? That same period of those candlesticks represented in chapter 2 verse 12 Yeshua is said to have a sharp sword with two edges we have heard people talk about a two edged sword dividing the word of God yes in verse 18 of the same chapter, it says, Yeshua's eyes would be like flame of fire. In chapter 3, verse 3, it says his feet looked like fine brass. He was an, as a child, I used to love to look at my face in my grandma's big brass bed. And Jesus is said also in chapter 3, I'm not going to tell you when I'm coming. My descent will be as a thief. If a thief wants to rob your house or do you any good or bad, anything unsolicited, he's not going to tell you what time, what day, nor the hour. The same verse 3 said that Christ is holy. Christ is true. That he would have the key of David. He opens and he shuts. Nobody else does. In the same verse 3 it says is the Amen the true witness, beginning of the creation of God. The creator and or life giver, that's God. God is our healer. He's the great I am. To me, I look at what's going on around me today. And I say to you that Lucifer is like a virus. It's just like the corona right now, that people are so filled up with fear. Fear of him instead of fear 
of the living God. That is something we should marvel about. For God will not be mocked. Not by his children. Not by anybody. This is his world. And he will come to take it back. We have before us countries all over this planet. We have media fighting all day long with teeth and fangs and everything into each other with everything negative and of no good whatsoever to the majority of the people. We have people who call themselves elite. We have people who think they're better than others. We hear about those who are kings and queens and what have you. Even in the churches, you have people that are taking titles for themselves. Bishop this and art, bishop that. This got a pope and this one got a rabbi and this one has whatever. Everybody is filled with his own importance. And that one healer says, be still and know that I am God. I am your healer. Who is calling upon the name of God on these media that we have? They're discussing every filthy thing under the sun. Man's immorality and fantasizing of things that in God's eyes are sickening abominations. I don't have to name them. Everybody within my hearing will know of what I speak. That which I speak about. What we call Supreme Court is a joke. God is supreme. And if the Supreme Court of any country is not in obedience to God, the word of God and what he says, who he says, where he says, then we have a serious problem because we're looking at a lot of nonsense that make no sense whatsoever and calling it truth. Trying to shove down the throats of the children of God. The wickedness of the one known as Satan. Lucifer. The father of lies. The confusion that we see across this globe. Across this country. Continent by continent. Leaders against each other. Everybody of a different philosophy. Yet not one single one of them will stand up and say, I am under God. We will obey the word of God. The isms, communism, huh? socialism. Everybody has a solution. And God is saying enough is enough. Behold, I come quickly says Christ, and my reward is with me. I will deal with every single one. Those whose names are in the book, and I shudder to think of those who are not. 
we have people looking at suicide as a solution to their problem. How do you know what's or who is on the other side? Who gave you that life that you have within that you feel that you can commit suicide? You're not doing it because you love God, nor your parents on earth, nor your friends. It's usually a selfish thought and it surrounds me, myself, and I. There is no great reception for your spirit in heaven, so you better look in the mirror. Get on your knees and cry out to the living God. Help me. Help me. Send me those or send me to those that can help me. And before I close on this note today, let me say to you, if you say you're a Christian and you are embracing all the filth of this world as something that you want to continue living with, then you belong to the lukewarm batch that Jesus said, I will spit you, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. James 4.4 There's no getting around it. If you have no problem with our children being taught from birth that people of same sexes can go around locking their lips together in soulish kisses and call themselves your parents. Dress the way they shouldn't. Walk the way they shouldn't. Do the things they shouldn't in direct opposition to your creator. I'm not your judge. He never put judgment in my hands. I'm here as a spiritual reminder that God will not be mocked. God is your father. His love is abundantly clear. He uses one word that is still very operative, still much accepted, and that word is repent. Repent and repent. Ask God in heaven to save you. To remove from your life the wicked one. The next episode I speak of will be telling you just how you will arm yourself with spiritual authority. And stand in the face of the enemy as a child of the living God. Be blessed.